live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, episode 89. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I am joined by my go-to guy when it comes to discussing the U.S. men's national team, Michele Giannone. Michele, welcome back to the show, my man. (laughs) What's up, Blake? Thank you. Thanks for having me again. All good. All good. How are you? I'm good, man. Glad to have you back on here. Glad to be recording a podcast again. Like I said, it's been like a month. A little nervous (laughs) to get back on the mic, but I'm excited. So, Michele, last time we spoke, the U.S. men's national team had just beat Morocco 3-0 and tied Uruguay 0-0. Two pretty good results, I'd say, versus World Cup-level competition, but I'm afraid we're probably not going to be that optimistic this time around. So on today's episode, we'll be discussing the U.S. men's national team's final two preparation matches in which they lost 2-0 to Japan and drew Saudi Arabia 0-0. The World Cup kicks off in 53 days, Michele. That's one less day than the U.S. men's national team had turnovers in their defensive half in the first half versus Japan. Pretty good segue, I would say. So let's just kick it off right there, Michele. No Stefan, no Jedi. Your boy Musa wasn't there. No Musa, no party. No way, uh, no PFOC in this camp. Pulisic didn't appear in this one. So the U.S. men's national team started with Turner Net, Vines at left back, Long and Zimmerman paired at center back, Dest at right back, Adams, McKinney, and Luca De La Torre in the midfield triangle, Reina and Aronson on the wings, and Ferreira at the nine. With that lineup and the subs and adjustments we made, we managed zero shots on target, which is shocking. 69% of our passes were in our defensive half, And like I mentioned, we lost possession 54 times in our defensive half in the first half of that match. As Taylor Twelman would say, what are we doing, Michele? (laughs) Got to turn your volume down. What went wrong for the U.S. men's national team in their 2-0 loss versus Japan? What can we learn? And how much of this result lies on the manager, Greg Berhalter? Everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. And not just Japan, the whole window. I think the situation is very bleak and I cannot fathom a more disappointing way to now wait for the 50 plus days for the US to play their first game. Because now all the good momentum that the team got first qualifying to a World Cup, right? Then that window that you just mentioned with Morocco, with Uruguay, that I, I understand, and this is part of my analysis of this team, if I can come back, go back a little bit, that sometimes fans, media, and a lot of, and everyone around this team gets too caught up with results. Like, I, let's say the U.S. yesterday against Saudi Arabia would have won the game on the 89th minute, right? It doesn't matter. The results doesn't matter. What I wanted to see in June and what I wanted to see against Japan and and Saudi Arabia was how this team functions, right? It's the last dress rehearsal. (laughs) Literally, there's no more time. Uh, Sadly, this team is in the the group B, so they they don't have time to play a friendly like other nations that are on the last four groups. 
that can, they're going to play a friendly before the, the the first World Cup game. So this was, this was it. And especially against Japan and, and overall, I'm, I was very surprised. And this is what Greg said about how... Let, let me go back for a second. During, during Greg's tenure, one, one thing that I like about this team is that they always come out out of the gate with a lot of intensity. A lot of intensity. They try to dictate the pace of the game, the rhythm of the game. They try to be aggressive. The first 10, 15 minutes. And, and you can go back, watch Gold Cup, watch, watch Nations League. This team, the first 10, 15 minutes, it's all out. We're going to pressure. We're going to try to dictate. We're going to be aggressive. And against Japan, they did that to the US and it was like a big shock to the system. And what I'm most shocked about it, what I'm most disappointed about it is that there was no answer. It was just, um, it just got worse as the game went by, it got worse. So yeah, we can talk about, yeah, in the second half we switched a little bit with the with with keeping the right back as a third center back, giving more freedom to to the left back cannon and um, sorry to vines, and then bringing uh, bringing uh, playing more through the middle, something something similar, you know, flipping the triangle, playing with the double pivot, dropping a little bit, um, uh, Luca de la Torre, and 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 playing more with with Weston as as as, as a free ten or or whatever they, they want to call it. But that's just because Japan, they just ease off the, pre the, 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 the press, right? So when I see it and, and, I, and I hear people saying, no, the second half got better. No, actually it didn't because Japan just let us play a little bit. That's about it. And I think this team, the system is failing the players. And that's on Greg Berhalter. And I'm always being of, of the opinion. And when you hear national team coaches, you hear that. And, and, and I saw a tweet that you, that you put out. The national team is an all-star, right? You call up the best players available, which is not happening, by the way. It's not happening, by the way. And... Berhalter is trying to feed the players into his system, into his very rigid system. This is not a club. And he's treating the national team as a club. That's the main issue. So, yeah, the players are not performing well. But we're trying to force players to play into this, this system. And, 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 and I just don't get it. I just don't get it how... Um, and, and this is where I think Berhalter's rigid, rigidity, it's catching up to him. Because this is not CONCACAF, man. This is not CONCACAF, which where, by the way, you end up third against below the worst Mexico that we can remember, right? Below Canada, which was way better than you in both games, against... Salvador, Costa Rica, Panama, all of them, Honduras, 
which are basically in the middle of a generational change, and you still came up third. You still didn't win on the road. This team didn't win a game on the road on qualifiers. Like, like we say in Spanish, a quien le ganaste? Who, ha who have you beaten? Who? Teams in CONCACAF? This is what, this is what you're going to face in the World Cup. This is international soccer. And I know it's not their fault. Because, and, and, I, and I know by the fact that U.S. soccer is not happy, that the, the coaching staff is not happy, the players are not happy, that they have to play, that Nations League ties them up to, to, to play CONCACAF. But that's the reality of the situation. And it's very worrisome because um, it's, it's, it's going to be a huge shock in the system when that World Cup starts. And, and I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, I'm going long here, but I just want to set the base of what worries me the most about this team, right? The lack of options, tactical options that we have, it's alarming. So to touch on that point, Michele, I think the one tactical option is what we saw probably in that second half versus Japan. We slid Sam Vines up to like the left wing spot. We brought in Mark McKenzie for Aaron Long and then brought in Reggie Cannon. We ran the back three. And then so Reggie Cannon gives us that tactical flexibility. And about the only other thing Greg Berhalter has shown is what you touched on. Japan pushed their press back, allowed us to keep the ball a little bit more there in that second half. We inverted the triangle to then have more of the double pivot, and then Weston kind of played that free ten. But I also want to go that's back. That's about to, it. That's in, exactly. That's, that's it. exactly. That's that's. It's plan A, plan B, and that's it. Yeah, and you know when you do get punched in the face, how how do you respond? And right. it, it doesn't seem like this team is. It seems like they're almost scared to play out of the system. It seems almost almost robotic at times. And I want to go back to your point of who have who have we beaten outside of these Concacaf teams, right? In the last seven games we've played against World Cup teams that have qualified, we have been shut out in six of those. Like, we're not scoring goals, and that is a shocking stat. And back to that intensity, like, yes, it was a friendly, but this was one of our last two matches to really prepare and see what we're working with before heading to Qatar. So either Greg was in the team was just like, okay, we're just going to come out and treat this as a friendly. Like after the first 10, 15 minutes against Japan, we took that punch in the mouth and we didn't respond. So like that gave me that kind of vibe, but it also gave me the vibe that no matter what Greg Berhalter is insane enough to think that we're just going to continue to play our game, despite what you've done on done on the opposite side to shut us down. I'm going to keep doing that. And I'm going to keep trying to pound a square peg into a round hole, even if it yeah. doesn't work. And I'm going to do that for 180 minutes during this window. And it just does not make sense. And it's not going to get results. And it hasn't against yeah. World Cup level competition. And, and, and you see it in the biggest teams in the world. Like, for example, Italy, which is, I'm Italian, so I follow them very closely. They've been playing, they won the Euro, playing a 4-3-3, right? And on this window, they have some, in, some injuries and some players missing. And Mancini just switched to a 3-5-2 on the spot without missing a beat. From one camp to another, he went 4-3-3. Oh, I don't have the players. I'm going to play 3-5-2. What, what, what happened? He won both games, right? 
and now they're in the final four. So what are we doing here? Like, like you said, with it, like, uh, like Taylor trying to say, what are we doing here? The, I think the arrogance and the rigidity, it, it, it's, it's something that they have to assess going to a World Cup. I don't think they're going to change it. I think it's, they haven't given us any insinuation in, during his four, four year, fourth year or four years in, in, in charge that they're going to change. I think they're going to trust the, their way to, to do things, right? And this is something that, that people ask me and I always give, give this kind of disclaimer, like, hey, guys, when I tell you since October that John Brooks is not going to come back, when I tell you that Jordan Pifok is not going to be called, I'm not saying that because I don't want them to get called or I'm doing, or, or, or I'm doing some kind of MLS propaganda that uh, don't call Jordan Pifok, call Brandon Vasquez. No, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to project and guess from my knowledge covering this team, covering Berhalter since day one, what he is going to do, right? And he's been very clear, very clear. It's very black and white. There's no grace with him. I don't believe that. You just got to listen. And, and, and I think that we're just going to push through with what got him here, which was this 4 3 3 MMA midfield, et cetera, et cetera. And, and just, and just it, it, that in, in Spanish is um, morir con la tuya, like die with, 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 your, with your own thing, right? Like I have this, I'm not going to move. And it's frustrating. It's, it's the, very it's fr the definition of ignorance, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. This, different team, results. this, this team is far too talented. We've got guys playing for Chelsea, Juve, uh, AC Milan now with Sergio Desk, guys playing all over the world at the top flight, uh, not necessarily in form at the moment, but they have their own individual qualities. And sometimes when I watch them play, the individual qualities are just not shining through. Like I mentioned a couple right. of minutes ago, it feels robotic. The ball moves slow. There's very, you know, readable and predictable styles of play and patterns of play. Yeah. And, and, and another thing that were that, that got me worried about, both games and the window in general is that both teams show up different both both opponents show show different things and we Japan, did and we did the same thing yeah exactly and we did the same thing and we didn't and and we fell flat in both games like we couldn't manage japan's pressure which wasn't like oh my god this incredible impossible high press they were they were they were pressing with their two forwards. That's it. But the thing is that we have two center backs that made mistakes trying to 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 build up from the back, right? Which and 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 and, and again taking this point and bringing it back, I'm seeing I'm seeing ghosts from 2018 and 2019. Yep. When when these coaching staff and players were struggling to execute on the field what the coach wanted, and we just saw this on this window, like Japan throw something at this team and they couldn't handle it, right? Then Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, which by the way, is probably the worst team going into a World Cup and they were missing four starters, yeah. four starters and their two um, 
starting um, forwards, and we couldn't handle it. Like actually, like actually, some in some 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 parts of the game, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia played through us, mm-hmm. through the team when when the USMNT tried to press, and so we couldn't manage Japan press. We couldn't manage Saudi Arabia mid to low block. Yep, it's like so. Now what? You are you are you have a lot of like you said very individually talented players that clearly are not working in the system that 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 you want to play and you're clearly and, and and even more worrisome that you depend on one guy which is Yunus Musa right because and that's why I've been so adamant of and this is a conversation I've had and I've we've spoken about it in the summer I a month saying this flip the triangle mm-hmm. right the only midfielder that can give you ball progression is Yunus Musa. And we Absolutely. saw it in the summer against Morocco, against Uruguay. Absolutely. We saw it in, in, in the last World Cup qualifier in, in El Salvador. The, 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 I think the only like decent like ball progression, that, the one that Musa just sprints out and, and, and at the end he gets fouled and, and gets all muddy. You know, I don't, I, probably you remember that. So because Tyler, that's not his forte. Weston, that's not his forte. And then play with a 10, which can be, I would have loved to see Gio Reina there. He didn't try it. Uh, we've seen Brandon Aronson, but I don't know if Brandon has the physical capabilities of managing that position on international soccer, because it's going to be very physical, right? So I don't know why he tried twice putting Weston in that role. Weston is not a 10, Weston is not a 6, Weston is an 8. Um, I think there has to be a legit conversation. It's not going to happen, though. We're going to see the MMA midfield against Wells game one. But I think there's a legit, legitimate conversation to have to sitting down Weston, playing with a double pivot, Musa Tyler, playing with a 10, and 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 trying to do something different because because it's it's so frustrating to watch this team just lacking options and, and lacking responses to what the when 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 you when you can't dictate the game because you're not playing in Concacaf where you can bully teams and you have the best group of individual players and at the end that's gonna be good enough which was barely good enough. Again, what I remember, you finished third behind the worst Mexico that I can remember, right? So yeah, it's, I'm just frustrated, and and it's and I'm letting you vent, man. This is like a therapy session. I said, I said, when 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 the groups came out, I said that the the USMNT is not getting out of the group stage. I got destroyed because saying that. I don't think this team has the the this team, not the players, this team, the tactical system, and what we're trying to do. They don't have enough to manage European teams. We have two European teams on the group. And Iran, it's better than Japan. It's a thousand times better than Saudi Arabia. And and I, I just, I just, again, it's too many questions, and 
not too many answers after these two two windows. And it's something, and it's something that, and it's this is not something new. I've been way down on this team. I've I've said it in the past. We didn't play well winning Nations League. We didn't play well winning Gold Cup. Just go back to the Gold Cup. Qatar was better than us. J just go watch the game. Qatar misses the PK. Matt Turner saves like five incredible goal attempts. And, and I just, it's winning those tournaments just... I, I don't know how to explain it. Or, Feels like or it gave zero. us a false sense of hope, almost. Yeah, yeah, some something like that, right? Like win hides everything, winning fixes everything. It's it's like a makeup, right? Like like the trophies were like a makeup yeah. or something that when you go in depth, um, there was a disconnection right there between what you had in 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 your individual players and what the system was asking of them. Right. I mean, we have two extremes, right? Like we failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. And then a couple of years later with this brand new cycle of players, these guys are getting new deals. They come in, start playing for the U.S. Men's National Team, and we win two trophies. You know, we win the Gold Cup, we win Nations League, and that's two emotional highs from the lows of lows to the highs of highs, and the expectations are, you know, almost we're, – we're not going to reach the expectations that a lot of U.S. Men's National Team Twitter has, right? Um, and I think this, this window in September kind of – knocked us back down a little bit so when i planned this podcast i kind of wanted to talk about japan first and then saudi arabia and i think based on this conversation we've had we're kind of all encompassing the window which i am completely fine with and one quote that came out today that i saw greg berhalter said is that you know him and the coaching staff feel like they have more clarity now than they did coming into this camp and for me i feel like we still have a lot of unanswered questions so let's just get into those. We've brushed over just about all the bad things there are to brush over in those two games. Backup left back spot. We saw Sam Vines come in, play, what, 45 minutes at left back in the mm -hmm. first half versus Japan, and then he got pushed up higher on the left wing. Obviously, we're without Jedi, who I believe is nursing an injury. And then in the game versus Saudi Arabia, we saw Serginio Dest, who is usually our starting right back. He started at left back, and Joe Scali started at right did Sam Vines impress you? Could he be the backup left back behind Jedi or is it Sergio Dest? Like I think. Uh, I think Vines didn't do any okay. himself any favors on this, on this window. And I think at the end, Cannon and Yevlin are going to be there. Um, Dest is going to be there, obviously. You don't think Scally's going to be there? I think that's, that's if, if we're, if, if we're taking a, if, which I don't think so, we're taking a fifth fullback. Yeah, I, don't think, I think it it needs to be it needs to be Joe Scully. So then you have that option, like we saw yesterday, of playing Sergio Des on the left, and then you can play Scully on the right, right? If, if something happens with Jedi, I don't think he's taking five fullbacks because I think he's he he sees um, Jedi as a starter, ninety minute starter on every game. And in case of, of emergency, like we saw yesterday, play play Dast. And if there's no injuries with Cannon and Dast, uh, with Cannon and, and Yedlin, those are the other two options of a right back. I do believe Scali should be above both Yedlin and Cannon. But again, it's 
guys, it's right there. I mean, just just look at just look at the at, at the at the framework of Berhalter and his choices. I think right. when I'm looking at it from Greg Berhalter's perspective, I see Reggie Cannon, as we talked about earlier, he gives us that ability to switch to a back three and play that yeah. right center back spot. So I think that is one of the very few tactical wrinkles that Berhalter has. So he's got to keep that in his back pocket. Yeah, yeah and then absolutely. Also, and then also DeAndre Yedlin, he has that experience that we kind of lack on this very, very young U.S. men's national team roster. He's been to a World Cup before. He's been with this team for probably a decade now. So I think he does bring a little bit of that leadership and experience that Burhalter probably wants, even though Joe Scally came in in the last 30 minutes of that match yesterday. And I thought he played very, very well and yeah, he immediately yeah. raised the level at that right back spot. And that that's another wrinkle that if you're going to make that switch, right, of keeping, of putting in a right back so he can stay in as a third center back, right? And you can give freedom to that left back that let's let's say it's gonna be Jedi, obviously, if he's healthy. Why you why didn't you just try just literally put in a third center back, like a third natural center back on the field and just play with two wing backs? That's that's the lack of like that's the the extreme rigidity that I just that I get frustrated with with Berhalter, right? So, so like, then I ask you, so, Michele, if we were to play with three natural center backs, who would your three natural center backs be? I mean, right now it has to be, well, given if everyone's healthy, if everyone's healthy, um, if it has to be, well, Richards and Zimmerman, or I think it's going to be the, the, the pair yeah. in, in Qatar. And the third one, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know because we didn't see him in camp. I think Carter Bickers is going to be one of the fourth, one of the four center backs. So I don't know if Carter Bickers is ahead of Long, or Long is ahead of him. I don't know because that's that's what that's what being injured sucked for these guys. Some for some of these guys in camp. What what it's clear is that both Mackenzie and, and Palmer Brown are not in contention for Qatar. Oh, that's why you that's why he played Zimmerman and Long again to yeah. get those repetitions, right? Yeah. So I will I will say I will say if I'm the coach, I'm playing Richard Zimmerman in CCV, and Long will be my fourth option. And then and then you can throw in some wrinkles like that. Just play with three center backs, two wing backs, um, play with a double pivot, play with a 10. Um, I don't know, switch things up, right? Right. Like this is why what friendlies are for. Mm-hmm. Try try different things. And we didn't try and anything. <laughs> anything. We just saw what we've been seeing, and this little wrinkle of yeah, drop drop the right back to a, a third center back, free free the left back, drop back one of the midfields and play with the double people. We saw that in in summer during the summer. We saw it, and and it just again, Italy out of nowhere. Just switch to a 4-3-3 to a 3-5-2. Like that. One game to another. They beat Germany. They beat uh Hungary in Hungary to get to a final four. Can this team do it? You no. have you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to prepare. Adapt for the to opposite. your players. Yeah. Adapt to your players. Yeah. It's Ad- it's infuriating. Yeah, adapt to your players. And I also think you have to be able to adapt to your opposition, understand what they're gonna do as well. And there was a quote that came out in Weston McKinney was like, yeah, I I didn't watch Japan. And granted, this was a friendly, but you have to be more prepared. 
This is this is international soccer. We're preparing for a World Cup. You need to be yeah. prepared. You need to know what this team is going to do. And obviously, obviously we didn't. But we've talked a lot about the U.S. men's national team style of play. And for me, that is the U.S. men's national team is ball dominant. They are going to try to beat you with the ball and break you down that way. The U.S. men's national team had 57.7% possession against Japan. And against Saudi Arabia, the U.S. men's national team had 55.1% possession. In those two matches, shots per possession, 0.04 and 0.07. So we're not getting a lot of, we're not generating shots. And one thing that I haven't really mentioned, we said zero shots on target against Japan. We only had Mm. two shots on target against Saudi Arabia. We're not generating offense. We're keeping the ball. We're moving it side to side. I talked about those predictable patterns, but nothing is ending in the attacking third with a shot on goal, with a quality shot on goal. The best, the best shot or the best attempt we had in this 180 minute window was Jesus Ferreira jumping late, heading it over in the opening 10, 15 minutes against Japan. Other than that, it was really bleak at the number nine position. And that's something that we need to discuss as well, Michele. It's always a topic of conversation for the U.S. national team. We it don't doesn't have- matter. It doesn't matter who the nine is. This on this system, the nine depends on service. Yeah, and they're not getting the service. Not even a little. They're bit. not. Not like Pepe touch less balls than Turner. That's insane, and which I, is, I it, which is insane. Which is it's. It's crazy the thing. It's, it's, it's just so because we don't have we don't have a Karim Benzema, we don't have a Lewandowski, we don't have a Griezmann, a guy a, a guy that is just gonna take one v one. Yeah, nobody's All gonna create for nice. themselves. Nobody's creating for themselves. It's not it's not Pfock. It's not Haji Wright. It's it's no one. It's no one. Yeah. Every nine in this pool needs service, except Ferreira a little bit because he's used to play a little bit coming from behind. He used to play as a ten in Dallas. Uh, now, now he mostly plays a false nine, but when he's asked to play as a nine, he on this system again he needs service, and we're not getting service to the number nine, and this is something that happened on qualifiers. The 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 number nine, I think we got what I, I don't have the stat here, but we got like three goals out of the number nine position in goal qualifiers. All Pepe, I think. Like what it's again, again, the system is failing the players. Yeah. We're not putting our number nines in positions to score goals. We're not the quality of service from wide areas is poor. We're getting nothing up the middle. Like we said, we're not playing with a natural number 10. So we're losing a lot of the quality attack that could come from those half spaces that a normal natural 10 would operate in, whether it's Gio Reyna or whomever could play in that space. We don't have people occupying space and freeing up space for our number nine. You mentioned Pepe having less touches than Matt Turner. That was 13 touches against Saudi Arabia. Ferreira came on, what was it, at halftime, I think. 10 touches, one shot. In the game against Japan, Ferreira had 14 touches. Sargent had 15. So in total, over this 180 minutes of soccer, the window right before the World Cup, and we're trying to figure out who our nine is, where we bring Ferreira, Pepe, and Sargent, these guys in 180 minutes combined for just 52 touches and three shots, all from Jesus Ferreira. I mean, if that's not clearly a system failure, I mean, you just you just said it. 
it's the numbers are there or eyes are are watching it yeah so it's it's not working outside of the ferrera attempt where you know we we kind of did break out in transition which we really didn't do over this last two games we didn't yep. play in tra transition reina found des des took it in line cross it to ferrera it went over other than that there was really no natural involvement around the 18 other than Ferreira's shot uh, late when he came on in the second half. But early in the game against Saudi Arabia, Christian Pulisic was on the ball a couple times. And I actually thought Ricardo Pepe did a really good job at his off the ball movement, playing with the defender on his back and just, you know, trying to find a layoff pass to Christian Pulisic, who's, who's playing that pass and then trying to get inside on the end of a one, two. So I thought that was, that was good from Pepe. And that's not something we see. And we need to see that kind of combination play in and around the box especially when you're playing against a team that's playing the low block. Like we saw that we yeah. couldn't even get the ball out of our defensive third against a team that has an aggressive mid block press in, in Japan. And we couldn't beat that. And that's just between the center backs and the center mids and us not playing with width. And it, it was just bad. And then, you know, we switched, like we said earlier to playing against a, a, a low block five, four, one, or whatever it looked like for, for Saudi Arabia and we just lack ideas in the final third. We lack the creativity that we should be seeing from these very, very talented players. And it's just, from a fan, it's just so frustrating to see. And it just, it doesn't for, for, give, it doesn't many, give me a lot of hope. It doesn't give yeah. me much hope going into Qatar, you know, which is, which no, is what I, we wanted from this window, I guess. And that's, and that's part of, if you're, if you're Iran, England, and Wales, which I'm pretty sure they scouted these two games in detail, right? They got two. Like you get, they got two blueprints on how it's to not massive, yeah. massive blueprints. And the thing is that, and again, what worries me the most is that in the back of their their minds, they're probably saying, "This is it. Like they're not gonna throw a wrench at us. This is this is what we're gonna see, Wales." It's, it's, it's thinking, this is what we're going to see. And if we play, and if we play the, the way that Japan played, this is what we're going to do. If we play the way that Saudi Arabia played, this is what they're going to do. And that's it. And that's it. They don't have to worry about having different looks, about that the, the US is going to make a huge, drastic tactical change. This is it. And that that lack of of uh, options, right? That lack of options, it's it's frustrating, and it's and it's and it's just. I don't. Again, it's if you're telling me, if you're telling me, well, don't worry. Like we have another other things under our sleeves. We can do this. We can do that. No, we haven't seen anything in Berhalter's fourth year in charge that can give us that hope, right? What we can hope is that this team gives us a little bit of what they gave us in spurs, in, in little fractions in some games of, of qualifying, especially at the beginning of games, bringing that intensity, that personality, that 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 Berhalter said that was missing. And that's another thing, like, um, I understand, and it's something that Stu Holden was saying in the, 
in the broadcast yesterday. Well, we playing. This is tough for the players. You know, players are used to playing in in, in sold out crowds in Europe, Champions League. Now they're playing in the middle in in Europe uh, with nobody on the stands. And what right. you playing? You, you this is your last game before the World Cup. So you're telling me that it's gonna be better when literally the whole world is gonna be watching you on a packed stadium that is probably gonna have more fans from Wales than from you. And it's not like yesterday that there were like 56 other games playing at the same time. Mexico was playing, Argentina was playing here, Brazil was playing. No, the whole world is gonna be watching you. And this is what is also another wrinkle in the in the in, in this discussion this is going to be the youngest team in the world cup how are how are they going to handle that on top of trying to fix what we just saw in this window i think it's too much it's too much with too many answers and 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 and, and things to 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 figure out yeah, and it comes down to mentality. You got to get up for the game, man. We're literally, you know, entering I don't, yesterday. I, we don't, I don't care if you're playing in your in your in a public park, in a in a in in the in a FA FA Cup final. If you're Kirsten Pulisic, dude, this is your last game before the World Cup, and this is your last game after you made a fool out of yourselves against Japan. Like that's. And they, they actually came out after that Japan game because they were criticized and Greg Berhalter acknowledged that there was a lack of intensity, right? And some of the players came out and said, okay, we're going to come out against Saudi Arabia with intensity. And I still don't think it, there was intensity. I think the ball actually moved slower against Saudi Arabia. We weren't driving the game forward. We looked like we were simply going through the motions. This looks And against like a, a rival that was impressing you too. So of course you're going you're, you're gonna to have the ball. Like yeah. that's... I it's mean, expected. That's, that's, it's expected. It's expected. Exactly. So, so yeah, I'm just, I'm worried. I don't see this team right now. Um, I didn't see it before. Now I don't see it at all getting out of the, out of the group stage. I hope, hope I'm wrong because I'm going to be in Qatar covering this team, being with them every day, every single day. Um, and if they're not winning, self, you're going to have a real bad time. Self, yeah. <laughs> if, 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 if they're, if they're not winning, everybody's going to be in a bad mood. It's gonna it's gonna be shitty. It's gonna be terrible to be to be covering the World Cup. Um, if they if they don't go out of out, out of the, the World Cup stage, I'm 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 gonna be like a like a part of the team. The day after they're they're done, I'm back home. I don't want to be back home early. No. You know, I want I want to get to a I want this team to get to a final. I want this team to to do a great World Cup because selfishly, it also helps my work. Yes. And it gives me more time in Qatar and covering the World Cup and living that experience. But I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And again, hopefully I'm wrong, but I I don't know, man. I just don't think this, this team is ready right now. It's, this team is not ready. It's not ready. So we're going to get into expectations and then just some quick questions. But I we were talking about tactical wrinkles earlier and switching to the back three and just those little things that Greg, those few things Greg has in his back pocket. I think the most simple thing the U S national team could do, and it's proved to be effective across the world, regardless of which league it's in is actually just conceding possession and playing transition oriented football. And I think we have some of the players 
that can do that. Christian Pulisic 1v1 is is dangerous and can create a lot of chances on that left wing uh, playing inverted. Timothy Weah is very fast. He's extremely vertical. Play him into space and he's in on goal. And if we can, you know, find a 10, whether that's Gio Reyna and he's playing that spot, I mean, we can spring counterattacks. This team in this past window that we've been discussing for this past 45 minutes, we played zero transition soccer. We were always playing against a set defense and we really didn't press the way Greg Berhalter has told us that 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 was part of their principles of play. We really didn't. And when we did against Japan, we got played through rather easily. So I think one of the easiest wrinkles that Greg could implement for this team is just conceding some of the possession. Don't be so ball dominant. Give them some of the ball sit back and try to beat teams on the counter. And honestly, when we're playing against these really good teams, because England, they probably want the ball, right? When we're playing against a team like that, or if we advance and we're playing against other teams that want the ball, concede possession. Don't go in there and be so naive and ignorant that we have to have the ball to beat you. Concede possession and play on the counter. I think that suits some of our individual talent better than being so ball dominant and playing against a set defense. And again, when I I see... When I see, I totally agree what you're saying, and and I'm just gonna add up that. Remember again, when I when I when I'm seeing when I say that I'm seeing ghosts from 2019 and 2018, this is what this team was trying to do. Like even against a high press, go go back to 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 the Gold Cup final, or go back to to the that friendly that September friendly after the Gold Cup final against Mexico, uh, or or against Venezuela in 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 Cincinnati. That we lost 3-0 before the World Cup against Jamaica, that, that we lost 1-0 before the World Cup in DC. This team was trying to play out of the back. Like it was the only option available. Against Japan, we tried to do that. And how many balls did, did, did the center backs just give away? How many, the midfield was a disaster. Like again, adapt to your rival. Adapt. It's okay. If you need to just kick the ball, kick the shit out of the ball on a, on on a on a long ball, right, right? No, and I remember that I remember the halter like, no, we're gonna keep doing this, we're gonna keep doing this because this is the way we're, we we want to play. Yeah, but guess what, man? Sometimes you cannot do it, and sometimes again you gotta adapt. And like you're saying, just concede or just don't try to play out of the back every single ball. So again, we're seeing things that we were seeing on 2018 and 2019 when this team was really struggling. When Canada beat their asses in Canada, when Mexico beat our asses in, in the Gold Cup final and in, in, in New Jersey in, in, in that friendly, what Venezuela and Jamaica beat our asses before the Gold Cup. So again, I'm seeing this arrogance and this rigid, rigidity uh, that I don't like. I don't like it, and and sadly, I think we're just gonna keep seeing the same thing in the World Cup because I don't see why now he's gonna change. Yeah, there's right? there's no there's, there's there's a four year framework and a four year of things of 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 a way to do things that are you telling me that for the first game in the World Cup without trying anything else differently, especially in the friendlies that you needed to do that. Why are we going to see it? Hell no. Yeah. So I don't it's, know, man. It's written on the walls. The evidence is there. The lack of offense is there. That's one of the reasons it was published in an MLSsoccer.com uh, article a couple of years ago about why Burhalter was fired before he went to the crew from the club he was at in Europe. 
Then with the Columbus crew, my beloved Columbus crew got the flag behind me. We won zero trophies with him. We saw a lot of the same things that we're seeing right now with Greg Berhalter. Like I said, nothing's going to change. We're 53 days away from the World Cup. We're not going to fire him. Uh, if things don't go well, I don't think he's the, the the coach next go around when we host, co-host the 2026 World Cup. But Michele, I think we've gone pretty in-depth into everything that we saw this window. Uh, it doesn't sound like we're too happy about any of those things, but let's <laughs> let's get into some predictions, okay? <clears throat> Who is your right. first player to score for the U.S. men's national team in Qatar? <laughs> or wow. does anybody score? Is it still Julian Green from 2014, <laughs> the last guy to score for the U.S. national team? I'm, I'm going to say Christian Pulisic. I think it's got to be, right? Yeah. Feels like yeah. it has to be. Yeah. Will there be more bounce passes from Greg Berhalter <laughs> or points for the U.S. men's national team in group stage? I was so pissed when he did that yesterday. It's all the show, uh, man. It's all the show. I'm going to say more bounce passes. Oh, man. So the U.S. national team don't advance out of the group? I, I, I've said it too. How many times I said it on this episode? I don't, th- I, I, don't think, I don't think we're getting out of the group. Okay. Me neither at this point from what I've seen. I would love to be pleasantly surprised. I would love to be proven wrong. Right. I would love to see yep. us come out with a different intensity and, you know, for me to go back and listen to this podcast in three, four months, I'm like, damn, I sounded like an idiot criticizing this yes. team. Look at him now. Yes. I don't yes, think we're going likewise. to be carrying the World Cup trophy, but I would love to see us advance to the round of 16 and maybe the, the round of eight. But we'll see. Who is your player to get the biggest club upgrade post-World Cup? From this national team or, or U.S. soccer in general? Uh, from the World Cup, the team that's going to make the roster, you think? Oof. Um, man, that's tough. I will say, I'll say Junus Musa. From Valencia, which, which league Oof. do you think he's going to go to? I, I, man, I, th- I think he could play anywhere. I think so too. And and in Valencia, in Valencia, it's it's not the biggest of clubs. It's a mid to to kind of on the verge of being a big club in Spain. Um, but I do believe that Musa is just going to show the world oh, what, yeah. what he can do, and he's going to be the, the the absolute star from this team. And I think, I don't know if immediately, because I don't think Valencia is going to sell him right away. But out of the group, I think he's going to make the next big jump to like a big, big team. Like a, I could see Musa playing on a Manchester United. Oh, yeah. On a, that, that type of players. Barcelona. Yeah, he's a really complete player. You talked about his ball yeah. progression earlier, just when he's carrying the ball at his feet, his ability to turn and his technicality in tight spaces. And he just drives the game forward in ways that a lot of central midfielders that play that eight role that he does just don't do. They're more distributors and he's more of a, I'm going to turn, I'm going to, I'm going to drive the game forward. Um, you know, he can distribute as well. I think the one thing that he needs to work on, and I would love to see that come to fruition in the world cup is his, his final ball or his, yeah. you know, his activity in the final third and in the buildup um, in the attacking third as well. So I would love to see Musa get a big move. I think somebody else that could get a big move is Jedi. I think Jedi, if he comes out and, you know, does great on both sides of the ball, both offense and defense on that left flank, he'll have a lot of opportunities down that left side for the U.S. national team. If Pulisic is healthy and playing inverted, that leaves the whole flank for Jedi. I think if his service is better than it has been in the past, I think that he could be on his way out at Fulham onto a, onto a bigger club. Uh, that leads me to something I know that you didn't like, a snub that was left off the roster. Who was your biggest snub from the September oh. roster? 
on this from this September roster. Yeah. Um, was it your boy Tim Ream? <laughs> um, man, you know what? The easy answer is Jordan Pifok, but I was on the record saying he wasn't gonna get called up, so I cannot say that he's a snob. Um, and to that point, I do just want to point out that what you said earlier was spot on. It doesn't matter who the nine is when we're and it playing. Doesn't, yeah, right when now, right now, I think it doesn't matter. It doesn't. I, I, again, it's not a snob because he hasn't been part of the the group. But I would have loved Tim Rim is one. I like. I'm sorry. Like Aaron Long cannot be ahead of Team Ream on any team, any on anything. He just looks so poor. It, it it's just it is not it, it's and it, and here it's not when you criticize a player. I'm not I'm not saying Aaron Long sucks. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm I'm pretty sure that Aaron Long all of this if his fans are playing on a public park on a five to five and Aaron Long shows up, he will destroy everyone. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes we don't fans and, and also in media, we don't understand how high level these professional athletes are. But on the grand scheme of things, when you're comparing that level to that level, I mean, come on, man, Team Rim, <laughs> Team Rim is a starter, a Premier League starter. Yeah. What? And, and, and I don't, and again, Berhalter with the system, he doesn't play a high line. Did we play a high line at any point? Negative in in these two games. Okay, so it just yeah. I w- I would have loved to watch just Georgi Mihalovic. I don't I don't think I I don't understand why we call Johnny Cardoso why why he yeah. played against Japan when he has no shot of going to Qatar. I'm not. I I don't think Marley Tillman has a shot to go to Qatar. I don't know. I don't understand why he gets called and he played minutes. And man, I will I would have loved to see Georgi Mihalovic. Yeah, Georgie would have been great. And with Musa out, I think Eric Williamson would have been really good to see yes. as well. Yes, but again, not a snob because he hasn't been part of right. the... Right, 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 right. But, he, but he's a, as like for like as you could get. Like for like, like a, is... A Yunus Musa. Is the closest thing that we have to Yunus Musa. But a snob, yeah, for me, Team Ring. Yeah. And the thing about Georgie Mihailovic is like, well, where do you play Georgie? Do you play him out left? Uh, because we don't really play with that 10. And he just, he kills... Again! He, Again, yeah. Adjust the to the players you have. Adjust to roster. the yes. adjust to your players. Yeah. Whatever, man. It's it's not gonna change. Yeah, we've been screaming about that for a long time. So this was our last camp that we're gonna see us play games, but there is going to be a camp, I believe, ahead of the World mm-hmm. Cup where it's just MLS players. Yes. Which guys should we be looking uh, forward to and continuing to track that possibly could get called into that camp and have a very outside chance, but you know, pending an injury a or very, something, they may get called. It's a, very, a shot in the dark. Very, very outside looking in, but you never know, right? Right. I will so we, say we talked about Eric and Georgie. Are there any other guys? Um, Brandon Vasquez. Absolutely. Um, although, again, it doesn't matter who the nine is right now. Uh, but I think Vasquez is going to be there. But again, it depends on of, of, of how long because um, it's it's it depends who, like, how long, like, Cincinnati is going to be on the playoffs, how long. Right, to, right. But, but, but yeah, um, as, as the teams get eliminated, like, those players are going to be joining. Like, when, when Dallas gets eliminated, uh, Arriola and Ferreira are going to mm-hmm. be on, on the camp. Um, I'll say Vasquez, Williamson, uh, Georgie, 
so, so I think for me, the one spot we talked about earlier, the left back is still kind of up in the air. Yeah, I will, I will say Tolkien. Yeah, that was the name Tolkien. I was going to mention with John Tolkien. I'm going to say a name that people are not going to like, but I know for a fact that he's still on the orbit. It's Sebastian Legette. I thought you were going to say Giassi Zardes. <laughs> uh, Leg- Sebastian Legette, um, yeah. Christian Roldan, yeah, of course. So I know, I know, I know Legette. It's a name that people don't want to hear, but he's he's playing in Dallas. He's playing the well in system. Dallas as well. He's playing very well. The same system that that it's it's literally the same system. Yeah, that that they play in the in the in the national team, and. I don't think any any of those names are gonna make the, the the World Cup roster, but but yeah, those are the names that we, that I think have a long shot of making it if if injury injuries like happen, etc. Yeah. So yeah, Vasquez, Williamson, Leggett, uh, Roldan, Tolkien, um, and I'm missing one, um, Georgie, Mihalovic. And what else? What else did we say? Are we missing someone? No, I think Maybe? that's, I no? think you, I yeah, think I, I think that's, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. All right. So, last one for you, Michaela, and then we'll get out of here. Your ideal starting 11 first game kickoff of the World Cup. Death, obviously. Death and Jedi. Uh, Zimmerman and Richards. Uh, double pivot Adams, Musa. Reynas at 10. Where? Polisic. <laughs> it's gonna be Ferreira, right? Yeah. Uh, I will play Sergeant. I will play Sergeant against Wells, but it's gonna be Ferreira. And I will play Matt Turner, but I think it's Stephanie Selfie. He's still the number one on on Berhalter's mind. But you're asking me to my my eleven or what I, or what I think he's gonna do. So I think that was that was your Greg Berhalter inside of his brain eleven, correct? No, inside no. In, his brain, his brain, his brain is gonna is gonna be um, Stefan, Des Jedi Richards, Zimmerman, MMA. Yeah, that's where you differed. Yeah, Wea, Pulisic, and Ferreira. Mm-hmm. What I will do, it's Turner, Musa, and Adams double pivot, bench Weston, play Reynas at ten, Wea, Pulisic, and Sergeant. What I will do. Yeah, I've been on Twitter. I've been uh, in the camp of inverting the triangle as well. And I think the balance that Adams, Musa, and Reyna could provide, where Adams is kind of that destroyer number six in the midfield, Musa is that ball progressing eight, the box to box guy. And then Reyna is just going <clears> to <throat> occupy those half spaces yeah. and, you know, free up some space for the number nine and our inverted wingers as well. So I would love to see that. Our ideal starting 11s are pretty much the same. Um, I would probably start Ferreira over Sargent. That's just my personal preference. But like you said, we could argue about that all day and it really doesn't matter unless they get the service. And so everything behind that number nine is what we really need to be worried about and the creative aspects of that and how we, how we, how we progress the ball and how we become dangerous in the attacking dirt. But I think we've uh, dove deep enough into this, Michele. What do you say, man? Yeah. I mean, just hope that we're wrong (laughs) at the end. Yeah. Again, I would love to go back in a couple months after the World Cup and say, "Man, McKelly and I look like idiots." Yeah. I we're mean, not. we're. I, but 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 again, I don't think I don't think we're saying something different of what the majority of. No, we're not. And media are no, saying, the, right? these aren't any hot takes. We're not. Yeah. Yeah. We're, this is yeah. Anyways, 
All right. Well, Michele, thanks for hopping on MLS Gone Wild again, my friend. And we'll, I'll definitely have you on again as well. Yeah, always a pleasure, man. It's MLS is it's coming to an end. Let's see what your crew does. Uh, yeah. I don't have faith on your coach. I don't have faith on your coach. It's very similar to what we're dealing with with the national team right now. <laughs> very, very eerily similar. Anyways, listeners, thanks for tuning in to MLS Gone Wild, episode 89. It's hard to believe I'm only at episode 89. Been doing this two and a half years. Felt good to be back on the mic tonight with my guy, Michele Giannone, breaking down all the action from the U.S. Men's National Team's recent September window. You guys, we've got 53 days by the time this podcast comes out, 52 days until the World Cup kicks off. I'm excited, and I'm also really, really nervous. And if you listen to this podcast, you will know exactly why. Anyways, from Michele and I, take care of yourselves and one another. I'll catch you guys soon. Peace.